0: This episode is sponsored by The Alcohol Experiment, a free 30 day challenge designed to interrupt your patterns, give you control, restore your health, and put you back in touch with the version of you who doesn't need alcohol to cope, relax, or enjoy life. More than 220,000 people have already tried the alcohol experiment for themselves and have seen improved sleep, increased happiness, reduced anxiety, and so much more. Join thousands in this inspiring, hopeful, and exciting program where you examine your beliefs and reconnect with the best version of you without ever feeling like you're missing out. Start today for free at alcoholexperiment.com. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast, and I am here with a guest that I'm super excited to speak to. Her name is Arlen. Arlen Hamilton, welcome.
1: Thank you so, so much for having
0: me, Annie. Oh, thanks for being here. So why don't you sort of back us up to the beginning and tell us about your story and, and your journey with alcohol?
1: Um, yeah, so I, I grew up in Texas and uh, didn't touch alcohol until I was, well, I shouldn't say didn't touch. I had maybe a sip uh, here, you know, once or twice to, to, out of curiosity, but really didn't start drinking until I was 21 and good and legal. And uh, uh, actually started drinking while I was had a visit to Europe uh, because somebody introduced me to chocolate to Bailey's basically and I'm like chocolate and alcohol okay I can try it and that began a 15-year
0: situation um did you you not um was it because you were like a rule follower or was it just because uh, it Oh, well,
1: it, it really was because I, I really when I was a teenager and, and a, young, and a y- younger teenager, I saw people in my extended family, not my immediate family, thankfully, but in my extended family, I saw people drunk, when I would go visit places. And I just didn't like it. I just really only liked the adults when they were not drinking. And it was certainly like, was a certain time of day or night that they would just sort of flip a switch and things would get too loose, things would get too, wait, who's, who's minding the store, you know, Um, I I don't know if anybody could drive us to a, to a, to a hospital if there's an emergency or something, and that feeling, I said, well, I'm just not going to drink, I don't, I don't need alcohol, I don't, you know, I don't know what it does to me, so I don't need it, there's no upside, and in fact, you know, early, very early relationships, as a, as a, as a young woman um i just was like i don't want i don't want the other person to drink either and i just don't want it around me um but then when i was on this trip and everybody was drinking everybody was having fun and i was 21 and i thought well at least i'm i'm certainly legal in this country (laughs) i was have been legal in this in this other country that i was in for years and i thought well it's like candy it's not like a full-on i'm I'm going down the whiskey train here (laughs) it's like I'm having a little bit of candy with alcohol and that, that that should be just fine. And uh once it once I had it and I had a few of these nights with it where I felt like, oh, I'm I'm looser now and I'm I'm funnier, I must be funnier, because everybody's laughing, not realizing that everybody's just drunk and poisoned. <laughs> so that's why they're like everybody's giggling. But I just I just I thought it turned me into something, um, and it, and it gave me a little bit of lighter life, you know, it gave me a little bit of lighter. I could kind of, even that young had a heavy, had heavy things going on. And so it's like, it gave me this lighter lift through life. And uh, so the, the beginning of it was like, I think a lot of people where it was just that turned into partying. And um, I was in the South, I was in Texas and Mississippi during that time. And then I was in California, so I moved I moved to where I am now, and I was in Southern California and also in deeply uh, steeped into the to the lesbian scene in, in San Diego and Los Angeles, and it's a party scene, or at least it was then. I don't know what it's like now. Uh, I'm more of a homebody now, but it was a party scene, and I uh, was broke all the time and always worried about life and family members and everything and so I would just go escape five nights a week somewhere you know I'd I'd take ten dollars if I could put it together and get a couple drinks and then start chatting with people and did like a platonic flirt you know it was never like a I it was never to like have somebody buy me a drink but it was like what group of people can I endear who will start you know, buying me drinks so I, I can keep the party going. And uh, I, I did that for, for several years.
0: I, I think it's so interesting that you mentioned that in your childhood, one of your thoughts was who's going to drive us to the doctor? Like that's such a, that's yeah. such a responsible thought, like for a child to have, right? Yeah. And so I mean, it-
1: I, I want to say that I love, love, love my family. And, and, and you know, it, it, it is such a such a poison and such a thing that i i can now see but yeah there were a few times where i felt like wait a second like i know that you're not supposed to drive when you're drunk you're not supposed to do make any big decisions or you know i had that understanding just very early on observing and everybody seems to be having a great time but they seem like they're children to me right now they seem like they don't have control of their faculties so who is supposed to help if there's a problem
0: Well, just so interesting because that thought by itself, for a child to have that awareness, for a child to have that thought is such an overly responsible, heavy thought. And so for you to say that when you started drinking, it was because it felt ease and because you felt the lifting of that. I mean, it it just really, I don't know, it makes sense to me a lot. It, it wasn't my experience exactly. Like I didn't, I didn't feel ease or lifting. I more felt like, okay, I'm gonna make this my mission to like learn how to drink. Right. But it totally makes sense that when when somebody is experiencing something that is heavy or is, I would argue maybe out of, of character for a child to be having that level of responsibility because probably circumstances had forced you into that level of responsibility. Of course, alcohol becomes something that does, you know, numb and, and create a different dynamic.
1: I mean, it, it did so the whole time. It, it was a very, there are probably of the 15 years or probably two or three years where it was actually fun, actually something that I did because I felt I wanted to, but the rest of it, and that wasn't at the beginning or the end, you know, it was like cumulatively, but the rest of it was, I have to, I have to just coast because this is so, all this stuff is so much to handle and constantly, and I, and I have a pretty good handle on what it was and everything. So it's not like I'm, uh, you know, you, you can't crack me here or something where I'm going to fall apart, but it, it really was. I mean, for anybody who's, who's, Listening and, and I I remember being what was I was like twenty seven or twenty I was like 27 or twenty like seven I think and I was um, living with two roommates from England and I was in Sherman Oaks California which is um, north of LA or part of LA and we there was actually a bar built into the apartment and it was like the best apartment I've ever had or I had I had to that point and we were swinging singles and everything. And it was all, the bar was always full. And then one day we were getting ready, we were getting ready for a, for a little party, like in our house. And so we were putting the, like these empty bottles in the trash can and getting ready to kind of clean up to do that. And there was these rows of vodka, of vanilla vodka. Because again, as you said in your book, things, alcohol tastes like crap. <laughs> so you have to always <laughs> make a way, you know, Bailey's, now vanilla vodka. Um, and so I had these rows and I, w- I looked at my roommates who were like, you know, partiers and I'm like, Hey, jokingly, I was like, Hey, who killed all this? <laughs> who killed all these bottles? You know, like getting ready to just, just call them out like for fun. And they both looked at me really concerned, uh, more so than they ever had. And they were like, Arlen, you did. And I'm Mm. like, what? No, I didn't. There's no way I could have had all of that. There's no way, like, when did I have the time to have all of that alcohol? And that day is when I realized, oh, I had no idea I was drinking that much. No idea I was drinking that much. And immediately became aware. And from that moment on, you know, that was like halfway through the process, through the journey of it. So seven or eight, you know, six or seven years in, um, uh, I realized, oh, I have this problem, and then boom, you know, it was in my face. But it was, it was like, what can I do so that every single day just feels lighter than it has the past, you know, 20 years?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, was it at that
0: moment that you started to try to cut back or make a change, or did that come later?
1: That came later. Um, it came later. It was that i mean that 2007 to 2009 period was like the height of all of all of it was coming together cuz in, in addition to being in southern california and being um, kind of having the personality that that i had i also had a, a, a like a website that was popular so anytime i'd go to certain places people would just buy me drinks and then i had in addition to that i had two friends who were really wonderful people um, who, who they, for different reasons, one of them because of their family and the other because of their job, had unlimited resources almost. And so they would, they would fight each other friendly to who was gonna pay for the tab that night. And so it was enabling, out of this world enabling, because we, we, we could get into any place we wanted to. There was always something interesting, you know, it was perceived, you know perceived as interesting going on. It was almost a joke as who's going to be the drunkest. But check this out, you know, the thing we were talking about earlier, if you ask any of the people in that world today, and they have, they, they came back and told me about this. They said, no matter how much I drink, I always was at the end of the night putting somebody into a cab, always talking to the cab driver. This is, I'm going to, you know, because it was no Uber back then, you know, I'm going to, in 15 minutes, if she's not home, I'm coming after you, I have your, you know, all of this, (laughs) like, uh, putting people, stopping people from driving, stopping people from going home with the wrong person, pulling, literally pulling people, like, away from people. And that was kind of like the running joke, was that no matter how drunk I got, I was still the, the responsible party. Because now that you've kind of mentioned that, it's like, I gotta make sure that somebody can, that I can't get so drunk that there's no one left to get us to the hospital, mm-hmm. you know, it, symbolically.
0: Yeah, that's that's so interesting. So something core to you is to make sure everybody's taken care of.
1: Yeah, oh sure,
0: yeah. And so how, I'm jumping ahead because I do want to get through like the yeah. the chronology, but I, I'm curious, how do you deal with that? um like what, one of my core things is like how can I fix this and so not drinking and having that is yeah. is difficult like it's yeah. difficult to deal with that so how do you deal with this responsibility to take care of everybody and oh, not drink
1: it's a different vice uh but it, I think it's it's more productive these days so you mean these days like how do I cope yeah. <laughs> well these days I have this insatiable drive for success and I don't mean like a, at any cost, you know, it's just a very, it's just, I'm driven. And I am overbearing in how much I'm gonna help everybody. So that's another thing. So it's like kind of spilled over it's elsewhere, but it's not as destructive. It's more like you're, you're loving me too much, right? Like I, if somebody tells me, if a, if a loved one tells me they broke a fingernail, I'm bringing a helicopter in. Like how can we get the fingernail How's your finger? You know, and so that has taken a few years to calibrate and not overcompensate as much, um, because that is the, that's my instinct. It's like the savior complex. I have to make sure everybody's okay, and so now what I do is like, um, I, I you know the older I get, the better I am at managing all of that, and anytime I get the anytime I'm like, oh, I would, you know, it would be interesting to have a drink right now in this circumstance, like if things get too overwhelming, because I have a pretty high stakes job now. And anytime that happens, I've just I just teleport myself back to any sort of hangover. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. to this day, I have still never felt pa- the pain of a worst hangover, no matter mm-hmm. I mean, all kinds of injury, never felt that kind of pain. And so I always say, you know, if I have that little bitty voice that says, you know what, you can have one. And I'm like, first of all, no, I can't. I don't. There's no such thing as me having just one. It doesn't happen. And second of all, if I do that, I'm just signing up for 30 minutes of a high and 30 hours of feeling like absolute trash. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's so true.
1: So I just it. it, 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 it helps to have that 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 muscle memory because it's like I yeah, sure. don't want that again.
0: Absolutely, and it sounds like what you've done, which I love, is basically I heard it I heard it said once, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher it, but but just this idea of like vehicles can be good for you, good for others, good for the world, or bad for you, bad for others, bad for the world, or any combination of that, right? Mm-hmm. You have found a vehicle that's good for you, good for others, and good for the world, like the yeah. best kind of because we all need our vehicles like that's the thing that like we just do and to not acknowledge that and to think we're superhuman like that's ridiculous so we need the vehicles but for me alcohol was bad for me bad for others and I don't know what effect it had on the world but I certainly was an instigator so that's that's awesome love that that you found this vehicle that is is really um powerful and in a positive way
1: yeah I I think I had always been a very positive person and always done things that included collaboration and community and, and you know you can see that through the arc of, of my of my adult life so that's it was i don't you know it wasn't like i stopped drinking and then i became a better person and i think that's important to understand like you are a good person you are a better person today when you, when you're drinking there's just a better li- there's a better quality of life for you to celebrate that Know waiting for you on the other side of something if if that's what you want,
0: and you could just take away the voices that tell you you're a bad person because you are drinking more than you intend. I mean, I think that is like,
1: yeah, I remember like when I was drinking, I had to towards the end or towards you know different difficult places every single day. I'd wake up and just like as I was nursing a hangover or had gotten to which even worse, which is drank so much that I never had a hangover because I was always drunk. That was terrible. But I would remember every morning for weeks at a time, just waking up and, and just being like, Oh God, you're so stupid. Why did you do that last night? Like, why did you do that? Why? You know? And that I, in no, no other part of my life do I call myself stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a, <laughs> very high uh, regard for myself and for other people but it's only when drinking is that sort of i i, I call it it's a, it's a monster it's like a it's a beast it's an ab- mm-hmm. it's an actual beast that i can imagine that is just it, it's uh taking over i kind of say this like i say this about money like when i think about getting ready to buy something and i tell people like it are you consuming it or is it consuming mm. you and so that's how i decide how i'm going to spend money if it's consuming me and i have to like really fight to pay for it it's not it's not the right thing but if i'm consuming it that's great so with alcohol am i am i fooling myself into thinking i'm consuming it oh i'm just consuming it i'm a, I'm a consenting adult and i'm just having this little you know whatever or is it like just consuming my life and and controlling every moment of my life yes that's the 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 latter
0: is the truth I love that distinction. That's such a good one, especially, I mean, for all things that, that, Oh, I love it so much. That's so good. Um, there was something I was going to follow up with about what you were just saying. Oh, shoot. It's totally lost my mind. Oh, well, let's just continue oh, on on your story and come back to me <laughs> every day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, so Yeah, go ahead. Like where? So you had that moment, and then it wasn't then that you decided to really start to think about it.
1: Yeah, what happened then? So that went on for a while, Um, and then I had in in late two thousand eight, I lost a lot of stuff. I lost the company that I had, which was a magazine. I lost a relation, a personal relationship, and I got real. I mean, it got really bad, and I. Uh, considered suicide. And I just was, it was like late 2008. I was in that same apartment um, with the same uh, roommates. And one night I just like lost my mind. And I was doing so poorly that my one of my best friends Diane came to sleep on the couch downstairs to make sure I didn't leave the house, you know, and I snuck past her and I walked the streets to go find something that was destructive and my hair wasn't done. I didn't have a bra on. I was an absolute mess and I wasn't drunk. I was going to find something that was just a solution or something. And I was crying and I was just like out in the middle of the street. And then something, something told me just keep walking and I kept walking towards an emergency room and I walked into the emergency room It's probably a mile away from my house at like three in the morning and I said I don't know if this is where I'm supposed to be but I feel like I want to hurt myself Mm. and I don't know what else to do except for that (laughs) except for being here and they just said this is where you're supposed to be and they took me to a room and for 24 or 48 hours, I can't remember how much, they had a police officer stand outside the room because I was at that, that's what they had to do, the protocol. And I called uh, Diane and I called a couple, like my mom, to tell them I was there. And um, that was obviously a lifesaver, that time. It didn't stop me from drinking, but it was something that was like a mile marker for me to see, because you get kind of lost out to see and you to have like a mile marker of like that was bad <laughs> you know and, and and alcohol is a depressant too And that's another thing we don't really think about it's like it's not just you it's this thing you're putting into your body every day that's like hacking away at your soul mm-hmm. you know physically it's like a thing that's actually scientifically proven to make you feel worse about life yeah. and so that was all happening and so That was a great mile marker. I continued to drink. I, you know, I decided, well, I'll stop drinking because it makes me feel so bad, so I'll start now infusing food with with weed, which was not terrible, because again, California, but then I, I consumed too much, and I hurt myself, and I just didn't know what I was doing, and so I went back to alcohol. Then, it was I can't remember exactly when, but there were two times that I quit, and the second time was your book and the first the first and that was, lasted. <laughs> and this yeah. and the first time was probably 2 2010ish, something like that, at what I would have been 30 uh, right before 30. I, I remember. So that was I I I went out with this same group of friends and we drank incredibly amount, you know, incredible amount. And then I went out with a with a second group of friends, just a couple people, and we went to a bar where they knew the bartender and they were just pouring drinks without payment, because remember, I'm broke this whole time. So that was kind of like the only thing that would stop me. And I stopped drinking. I mean, sorry, I stopped counting at 13 Jack diets. Stopped counting at 13 Jack and diets. Probably poured generously because of this friendship. So I, the last thing I remember is slow dancing with a woman who was celebrating her 50th birthday when I was 29, who was straight, by the way, who was waiting for her daughter to come to the bar. Slow dancing to that, uh, Lady Antebellum, I need you now. song. <laughs> don't know this woman's face. Couldn't tell you from was not attracted to her. It was just, I was just so stupidly drunk. And what followed was the absolute worst hangover I've ever had. It was, I probably should have gone to a hospital to have my stomach pump, but I didn't. I was, I could not get out of bed to open the door for someone to bring me food. So my friend, another friend came over and dropped food into a window, to the floor, and I crawled to get it in order to just be able to eat that day and it just lasted for like two or three solid days so that I said I'm gonna die I'm gonna I'm going to end up drinking myself to death physically my heart's gonna stop and I didn't have any other way I didn't re- I didn't really like um an experience that I had at, at, at uh, AA like I had tr- I'd gone with a friend to see what it's like and it's I have a, a kind of a religious background that's more cult than religion and that I just didn't like the the vibe of it it just didn't work for me so I wasn't gonna go do that but I knew I had to do something because I did want to live so I locked myself in this guest house that I was in um, I got DVDs I got food and then I sat literally sat on my hands and shook back and forth and watched DVDs for hours and forced myself not to get a drink. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, I think. It was so physically and mentally draining. And I got past a certain number of days, and I hadn't had a drink. And that was the first time in years I had gone a day without drinking. Um, and I quit for a year and a half and every day for that year and a half i wanted to drink and i missed it and i couldn't go to bars i couldn't go to restaurants that had a bar in it i had to excuse myself from social settings that people were drinking i it was a it was a 24-hour struggle not to drink and we can come back to any part of that but what i want to do is fast forward a little bit to your book the distinction in stopping, besides the amount of time it's been, which has been years, is that there's not been a day where I've been longing for a drink. It is such a different, you know what I mean? Like the, the one before was, you're going to die, you better stop, this is your only chance, but don't you miss it so, so much. And this this other one, <laughs> which was like, which I really want to tell that story of how that came about, um, has been, I mean, people can, I, if I were in a room right now with people just going at it, drinking right now, I'd be fine, I'd be like, okay, good, good for you. I'll be here with the, with the you know, wet nap, you know, the wet towel in the morning when you need me to hold your hair in the morning because wouldn't want to be right now. And that's, that's the difference, you know, there, there may be a, a tinge here and there, and, and I think that's normal. But that day-to-day is just wonderful. It's a wonderful uh, freedom.
0: Oh, my gosh. It's like making me so emotional because, you know, you put something out into the world and you know it helps yourself. And um, one of the coolest moments in my journey has actually been when I had uh, my brother texted me a picture of an article in Fast Company that you had written and you mentioned, um, the snake in mind and like, great. It was just like, so overwhelmingly cool for me. Like, I was just like, it was just amazing. And and to hear that that's been impactful for someone like you, like, I see what you're doing in the world and I don't know, it's just amazing. Like I just am so I'm really emotional about it because I feel like it's just such an honor to like have had a little bit of an impact, and the impact you're making, and it's just really cool. So thank you for sharing that with me. It's just awesome. So thank you. Um, I remembered what I was gonna say earlier. Okay. <laughs> to get me out of my emotional mess. Ha! Ah, anyway, um, <laughs> like you didn't sign <laughs> up for what I was going to say is that when you were talking about how it was only alcohol that made you like tell yourself that you were so stupid and that you were so, um, you know, dumb and, and you weren't doing that. And I think sometimes we have this idea that like, we have to go and learn how to be a positive person or we have to go learn how to like find self-respect. And I think so much of actually positivity is just undoing the negativity, right. Or so much of self-respect is just undoing the things that, that were like keeping us. And so I think we almost do ourselves a disservice to be like, oh, I just, I don't know how I'm ever going to be able to be someone who like loves myself or respects myself, or I, I'm just not a positive person. Like you can make so much strides just like taking away whatever is like instead of looking at it as like the mountain I have to climb, look at it as like what do I have to take away? Yeah, get back in touch. Yeah the thing that was authentic to me anyway, because you said you were positive your whole life, right? And then this is invoked like a negativity. So I just thought that was worth saying. But, uh, so anyway, um, that's so awesome. And so, so yeah, that first time, I mean, the strength involved in that first time I have to say is just really bad news. I mean, the catch- <laughs> Can to- I tell
1: you, I at the same time, I also became uh, not vegan, but vegetarian. For the first time, growing up in Texas, where everything is fried—like the, they'll fry a shoe if they could—and uh, and everything is meat. And I so that same year and a half, I also became a vegetarian, like just a few weeks later after stopping drinking. Uh, and I remember that time very fondly because of how I felt. I could, I could taste food again. And now it's all alcohol, right and p- people who are smoking and I think they have the same experience like you can taste, I could taste food and then cut co- like without being too Disney, like literal colors were less muted <laughs> like I could see colors as a real color like oh that's what the color that's what the sky looks like great and I had a joke with one of my friends who is uh one of my biggest enablers and she'll she'll admit it, but we we, we, we decided to do like a random sober night back before all this happened when the in the height of things just for fun because it was so it was so ridiculous that it was considered like a fun it was a, like a vacation to be sober and we went to our old haunt like the same haunts we go to every night just to see what it's like to be the sober person and we realized there was there was like a nail shop across the street from place a place That we had said for like weeks that this girl had wanted to find a good nail place it was right there next to the place we were drinking every day because we didn't see it we noticed that the ceiling of one of the places that we go used to go to was beautiful like the ceiling was just incredible beautiful art and we had no idea because we'd never looked up we'd always been looking forward at other people or looking down at our shoes because we 30 minutes in your job and so that time where I didn't have alcohol and I'm and I, I back to eating meat, but I just really did enjoy that experience. Um, but it was just, it was, it was tough. It was really tough, All of, you know, to have all of that going on. Um, and so I made a decision just to kind of close out what happened and like the rest of it. I made a decision after I'd come back to L.A., Okay, moved back to LA five, six times in my life. But after I came back again and I had a really, really bad, like emotion, like a personal, it wasn't a breakup, but it was like a heartbreak. And I just was like, okay, I'm going to drink again. Cause that's what I'm going to do. It's going to be fine. It'll be fine. I'll just have a couple, never had a couple, I've never had a couple of drinks. So it was just back in the same thing and, and bad and bad. Um, and so that lasted a long time. Fast forward to 2015, after 35 years of living below the poverty line, I start raising a venture capital fund, which is what you do when you're broke, apparently. And um, things are going well. I've always been what they, you know, what you, it's like a very productive drunk. Of, that's, that's another hard thing is that I've always been someone that you didn't know I had an alcohol problem because I was so darn productive. Mm-hmm. and I'm in that place everything is going really well especially compared to the rest of my years and the and I'm in I mean I'm like like you said there's fast company I'm I'm like this in, the cover hadn't happened yet that happened when I was sober but all this stuff was starting to happen and I was making these great decisions and really changing my life and the only thing that was still, the only thing that could tell me what to do, like I was a very powerful person, right? But the only thing that could tell me what to do was alcohol. And it was that combined with the fact that one day my wife, my she's my wife now and was my girlfriend then, told me that when she, she's German, and so she would come to visit for several weeks at a time. And she told me that one night, after a concert where I drank myself silly by myself for no good reason, came home, couldn't even see straight. She said she slept outside of the bed because she didn't want to be in the bed with me if I threw up. And she said she slept on the, like, sat against the wall outside of the bedroom to listen to me breathe mm. to make sure I didn't choke on my own vomit or stop breathing for other reasons. And she's just a, she's the best relationship i've ever had and the the loveliest human and that is not a burden that other people should bear for you and so that that combined with the fact that it was also just not fun anymore it had stopped being fun years past it was just like i got i started calling it my medicine Mm -hmm. i gotta get my medicine today i'm either gonna get the medicine or i'm gonna eat and sometimes it won because of the lack of capital right so all of that I said okay I'm gonna have to check myself into rehab cuz now I had the means to do that I said I'm gonna check myself into rehab it's gonna throw all of my progress in, in my career for a loop because it's gonna take a while but I'm gonna do that so I started researching what's the what's the fastest way of doing this thinking it's gonna be like the last time where it's gonna be like such a struggle for the rest of my life oh my goodness and I said, well, let me do one more thing. Let me do one, let me try one more thing because I had tried hypnotism and I tried all this stuff that didn't work. So let me just try a, like an audible, bo- or audio book, right? Because I've just, I, I've just, let's try that. I haven't tried that because I, you know, logic. I'm a very logical person. And I thought if I can be logicked into this, maybe it'll help. So I looked at a lot of books. There were a lot of books and I saw on Amazon, I mean, I looked through, I don't know what made me go to your book because there were so many, right? But I I went to Amazon and I just saw, like, comment after comment after comment was like, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. This is the best thing that, this is the best. And then, you know, there are a couple of negative comments, but I don't look at negative, I know where the source comes from, right? It's like, really? Okay. You had time to say all that? (laughs) Like, really? Um, But, like, I just saw, I'm like, well, the thing I know is that it won't hurt. I, it, 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 it may waste my time. I'm out of a few days and whatever, but it won't hurt me. So, and it's, let's try it before I go to rehab. So that weekend was West Hollywood pride weekend. And can I tell you what? It's like a hundred thousand people or more. Alcohol is like oxygen. And I lived in West Hollywood. So there was a parade route was outside of my door. So I decided that weekend was the weekend I was going to try to listen to a book about sobriety. What? Because I'm just a genius. I don't know. <laughs> so I start on like a Friday, and it was the Friday of that Pride, and it was the it was the year that Brandy was there, I believe. I think it was that year, and so this is 2017, I believe. Um. I think it was 2017 it might have been a different year that brandy was there i might be getting too conflated whatever and the first thing i remember here because i did the audible version because i wanted to be kind of hypnotized a little bit but it's not a hypnotism and first thing i remember you saying is you can drink while you read this book and i was like oh this is a party like i can deal with that she's not telling me to like change my life overnight she's like i can still drink oh I'm gonna do it but you said but don't drink while you're reading it you can still drink in your life but don't drink while you're reading it so I said okay so that was like a fair it was logical again so Friday I, lis- I listened to it over five days and I would just listen to it and I started it was uh, there were so many times where I was listening to it I was by myself and I was like uh-huh yep Yes, you know, I was like reacting to it the same way people react to my book now. I'm like, yes, girlfriend. (laughs) And I go to Pride, and of course, again, I have VIP tickets, I have all the alcohol I want, I'm in a situation where things are cool, I'm backstage, quote unquote, you know, all of that. And so I'm just drinking my little butt off. And then I'll, next day, Hangover, wake up, don't drink, listen to the book, and I'm like, this is a gu- this is a good book, like it's a good book. Um, I don't think it's gonna do the trick though, cause it's just a book. <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, oh, giving it its due respect, but I'm not like whatever. So I go through that, and the last night of Pride, which is like Sunday night, I'm so drunk that I I call the same Diane. <laughs> She's with me the whole time in life, saving my butt, and I call her. I'm like all the, everything's closed, we gotta get a last night gap. we gotta get something, and she's like, I'm tired, you know. So I'm like drinking to the very end. Monday comes and goes, and then on Tuesday, like Monday night or something, I finished the book. And I had a routine in West Hollywood, in my place. I would not drink until about six o'clock, which is p.m., because I wasn't a responsible adult now, because we used to be, I could drink whenever I had food. And that was like 10 a.m. and on. I was drinking. But now as a responsible adult, I had a routine that I would I would drink. I would pour myself a drink to watch Rachel Maddow. And then I would drink until I passed out, no matter what was going on, no matter who was with me. Um, And that to me felt responsible. So I do all that. I go to get my drink that's already waiting for me, which now is uh, whiskey, I believe. And I go to get it and to put my Diet Coke in it. And I'm like, no, it was Tito's. It was Tito's vodka, which again tastes like vanilla because you needed to have some something that doesn't taste like alcohol. I go to reach for it in my little cupboard because that's where I kept it, and I just go because I finished your book. I thought, oh, that was cute, and I move on. I go to reach for it and I don't want it, and I'm like, what the heck? And usually if I have this big explosion of, I'm not drinking for 24 hours, I would take any bottle I had and pour it down the drain because I hate it because you're not going to get me this time. I didn't even do that. I just put it back in and I closed the door and I was like, okay, that's weird. Maybe she hypnotized me for a day. The next day, I go to do my routine. I open the cupboard. I'm like, oh, it's six, it's matto o'clock. I don't want it. And it just sat there. And I haven't had a drink since then. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's the coolest shit I've Isn't ever Isn't that crazy? I haven't had a drink since yeah. then because it's like, why would I want a drink? After I understand the logic of it. After I understand that it's kind of bamboozled me my whole life. Mm-hmm. Why would I want it? And I'm not, no one's perfect and no one's like, you know, I, know, I think there's just a beautiful freedom and understanding like it's not this bogged down disease that sort of excuse that you can always have as a cloak. Like, well, I have a disease and so of course I'm going to drink again. Well, no, it's not. It's just a poison that you're addicted to because that's what it was made to do. And you have the power over it. And it's just such a, it's just a whole new day. And I believe that I could have accomplished a great bit while still drunk, uh, a drunk, I believe I could because I have been driven my whole life. But I absolutely know 100%, without a doubt, that I would not have been on the cover of Fast Company. I would not have invested in 180 companies. I would not uh, be a venture catalyst, as they call me. I would not have had this level of success if I was still fighting the demon the monster of alcohol every single day and i and i know for a fact as lovely and as loving as my wife anna is she would not have married me she would have had to go and save herself Mm -hmm. so everything that is good and that i have been able to accomplish and hold on to in the past almost four years is due to not having alcohol in my life, and also due to the fact that you wrote your book.
0: So cool. So cool. Can we talk more about everything you've accomplished and your book? Because I know you and have followed you, but I know that, you know, a lot of people might not know you. So I'd love to hear just, you know, in your own words, especially um, like just the idea of being underestimated, being our greatest advantage and all that sort of stuff.
1: So at around 35, uh, I launched a venture capital firm called Backstage Capital. I had been on food stamps and uh, homeless. I had lived at the airport in San Francisco for a while leading up to this. Uh, but for several years before, prior, I had seen the disparities in the amount of capital that goes to anyone who's not a white man in, vent- in, vent- in a startup land, in Silicon Valley, tech startups, et cetera. So 90% of all venture funding. That is the funding that's meant to kind of kickstart all of these innovative things like Twitter and Apple and and Slack and all of that goes to white men in a country where they make up a third of the country. And so as a black gay woman from the South with no connections in Silicon Valley, I just looked at that and said, man, the the entrepreneur side of me really like feels a kinship to this world. But the reality is it wasn't built for me. And I wonder how a lot of other people are feeling. So I set out on, out on this goal like research, and the more I researched and just immersed myself in this information, the more I understood, oh, there is a complete blind spot here. It could be interesting if somebody were to only invest in underrepresented founders. And in fact, most of the investors who have invested in me to do that are white men, because they're like, yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> it's stupid that we're getting a thir- uh, uh, 90% when we make up a third, they get it. And these are competitive people, right? So they understand, okay, somebody. But the thing is, because I can relate to a lot of the founders and kind of go in and find some diamonds in the rough and find some people who are just, I mean, I'm the least, uh, um, what is the word? I can't even, it's going to be funny what I'm going to say because I can't think of the word, but it's like the most traditionally educated person at my company. And am the, the least, like we're talking about like the founders who have we've invested in have, you know masters phds doctorates all of that um so but they've just been overlooked because of one reason or another and so we it took a it took three and a half years to get my first investor but in 2015 i got an angel investment from a woman named susan kimberlin in silicon valley and it was the it was a kickoff for me and it was you know i've raised millions since then and and so it was a it was a smaller amount but i'll never forget it it's like that first yes that i talk about so i've taken that built that out to 180 plus investments i have a joint venture with mark cuban where he put in six million dollars for us to invest in about 50 companies out of that um and i'm from dallas so that was you know that's that's a really cool moment I've been on the cover of Fast Company in 2018, and I was the first non-celebrity black woman to do so. And so before me was Beyonce, Serena, and Oprah, Uh, but there had never been a non, like a tech person or a venture person on the company of a Fast Company, which is a business tech magazine. And uh, I have a book that came out in May of 2020 called It's About Damn Time, how to turn being underestimated into your greatest advantage, and I chronicle my my life story and I also give a lot of tactical ways that people can kind of come into their own and, and figure out what their purpose is and it wasn't meant to be a self-help book but I certainly it's certainly come that it's a business book it's in the business uh imprint so there's a lot of that if you're a budding entrepreneur if you're aspiring or if you've already been in the game for a while and want to have a little disillusionment and want a little bit of a another kickstart I think it's very helpful there because people are getting a lot out of it. Um, And, and yeah, that's, that's what we're working on. Have a team uh, all over the country and we're just on this path to provide resources and capital for this underestimated founders, not as a philanthropic effort, but because we have a lot of time to make up for, which is why I called the book that.
0: I love that. Everything about that just gives me. Goosebumps. It's amazing. Congratulations. It's Thank you. incredible. Thank you. And I just like I'm I, I just can't wait to watch where you go. I mean, it's just gonna be amazing. It's Thank gonna you. be unreal. So cool. Yeah.
1: yeah so. I've just unlocked a lot of uh, I mean, since I was a kid, I, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the moon, right? <clears throat> but the same way I was able to I don't wanna make you cry, but like, but the same way I was able to an like, emotional day. <laughs> But the same way I was able to see colors better the first time I quit and then, of course, the second time, that's how I was able to see, like, the, the, the tapestry of my, what my life could be. And that's when mm-hmm. things, like, unlocked for me. And I'm really – I'm not the type of person who, who just kind of – I mean, I'm not, like, overly disney or overly flowery with my words it's just it's just so accurate and true what i've experienced here and it's just so true like in fact when they my 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 uh office said you know do you want to do this podcast because we because we get i get asked to do a lot of podcasts i'm like because usually i say i can only do like 20 minutes because of my voice or because of time or and i say no to probably 80 percent and they said it's it's annie grace and it's the this naked mind and i'm like um, this woman saved my life. So yeah, we can do, we can do an hour <laughs> or we can do whatever time she wants.
0: I appreciate it so much. So I mean, I really do. I just, I don't know. I was, I was so excited when you said yes. And um, just super excited. And I think I was just, just before this, I was on an interview with, um, insider.com. I didn't, I don't know, some media outlet, but she was just trying to ask what was different. And I think the crux of what you're saying and the crux of what is different, and I'm finally able to put it into words is I think there's three real pillars to change and it's knowledge, emotion, and action. Mm. And rehab and AA, they put action first mm. and, and discount emotion and knowledge. And, like, and it sets you up for failure and then you become in this cycle of, of hating yourself and losing trust in yourself and losing faith in yourself. And like this naked mind, like, I don't want action first. That's why at the beginning of the book, I'm like, keep drinking. Don't give me action until I've got your knowledge going yeah. and your emotion changes. And then the action is gonna be more successful. And I feel like I was finally able to like articulate that just now. So it's like, I'm gonna say it here again, because I feel like everything you're saying just makes that um, like, that's 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 why, you know, that's mm. why it worked.
1: Yeah, the the title of your book, This Naked Mind, the way I look at it, and I'm sh- I'm hoping this is what you meant by it, is like you're trying to re re rest- like kind of uh, deconstruct everything that we've been yes. taught, everything that we believe about alcohol, and re and make it a naked tapestry, and a naked uh canvas. Yeah.
0: And then exactly get it, back to where we were before. Because yeah. we were all there before <laughs> before.
1: At six yeah. years old, you're not thinking like well, let me go to let me go to the club <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> totally. yeah it's, I think oh. it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant, especially for someone like me I, I I have you have to make it make sense for me. like why are we you know and I, I look at investments for instance, over and over again, and I have to think I have to go through these different things down this checklist of why would we invest? even with the greatest story and the greatest this, why would we invest? And so the, this book, and I think, I think a lot of it had to do with it being audio too, because I feel like you are able to sort of, it's sort of like a friend just telling you what's up. And you're like, oh, it's the same way where I go flash flashback to 2007 or eight, where I'm like, who killed all these bottles? And they're like, my friend is saying you did. And I think it's that same sort of thing of that mirror.
0: That's awesome. Well, Arlen, it's just, I mean, like I said, thank you so much for your time and for saying yes. I've been excited and nervous about this and just awesome. And watching you change the world is is from just amazing. I, I love it. You're one of the very few reasons I get on Instagram to see what you're doing. Oh, and,
1: I appreciate and I, that so, so much.
0: So yeah, much. it's really, really amazing what you're doing. I mean, seeing seeing the thing that was in front of all of us that nobody else could see and then doing something about it, it's just just the coolest so mm-hmm. i just really appreciate it i don't know why i'm so emotional it's like ridiculous <laughs> embarrassing so, but
1: it's totally cool it's totally cool so I, I don't know you well enough to know if you if you are were...
0: I'm, I'm not like... <laughs> <laughs> it's not <horrible. laughs> wonderful. <sighs> but anyway i, I just I, I just appreciate it. it and it's it's just so cool to see and and um yeah it's just awesome it's an honor so thank you for your time
1: thanks so much and, and i very happy to have been able to tell this story in this place cool
0: Hey, it's Annie Grace. I wanna tell you about the most important book that I never wrote, and I mean that. This is This Naked Life. It's 48 true stories of people finding freedom from alcohol, and it's so inspiring. It's our stories, as you know from this podcast, that truly change us, that revolutionize what we believe is possible for ourselves. So it's This Naked Life. You can find it on Amazon or check it out online, even download it 100% free at nakedlifestories.com. And every single copy that you buy, all the proceeds are 100% committed to keeping the alcohol experiment forever free for anybody who needs it. So check it out. It's such an inspirational book.